passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. War Eagle, everybody. You're listening to the wonderful sounds of Believe in Everything Auburn with your loyal hosts, Taylor Davis and Jason Campbell. We're here with you today to talk all about some football. This is going to be a football-only episode, and you know that gets us hype around here. We're so excited to preview a little bit of what's to come, as well as give you a full recap and our thoughts on the Auburn Pro Day that happened this week. And Jay and I are also going to talk a little NFL today. We figured we'd bring it back with all the moves that are happening already in the free agency period. Wanted to get Jason's input on all of that. So we're so excited you guys have joined us. We appreciate you listening as we make our way through this football off season and get closer and closer to season. But Let's bring in the man, the myth, the legend, my wonderful co-host, Jason Campbell. How you doing today, Jay? What's going on, buddy? I, I can't complain. <laughs> today is a good day. You know, we had some storms come through the south over the last couple of days. Oh, and, yeah. uh, you know, so shout out to the, uh, you know, our hearts go out to the families that, you know, that lost homes and, um, you know, hopefully loved ones, you know, made it through. But, mm-hmm. yeah, we had some bad storms. And uh, i tell you what, you know, it seemed like this time of the year, every year, you know, you have to anticipate those tornadoes in the southeast. So, mm-hmm. you know, we was just, I'm just glad to see sunshine and um, and after every storm comes sunshine. So there that's where go. we're at. Hope all of our listeners stayed safe and didn't have any damage from the storms. But it is a beautiful day now, and we are so excited to talk some football. But before we get into all of it, here's a word from our sponsor. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. NBA is in full swing and college basketball heats up as the schools make their way to the madness. The tournament is coming and so is the $100,000 Bracket Madness Contest as Bet Online is the spot to be for all your bracketology needs. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, all the scores, and the odds, so it's the best way to place your bets, and of course, it's free to sign up. So just head over to the website, betonline.ag, or use your mobile device to sign up today, and you're gonna receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. So let's start with Pro Day, which just wrapped up yesterday, depending when you're listening to this episode. Some Auburn hopefuls showed out for some NFL teams hoping to improve their draft stock before that day comes in April. So we talked a lot about it the past couple of weeks, what this Pro Day meant specifically this year. I know it's a big day uh, every year, but this season, because the typical NFL combine and in-person workouts with teams are not possible this year, the Pro Day was really everything in one. So 
Uh, it was certainly a big opportunity for our guys from the reports that have come out. It seems like they all really showed out and took advantage of the opportunity, which is fantastic to hear. Along with the limitations of people in attendance, they also eliminated reporters being in there because they were trying to control numbers, obviously still, you know, taking care of social distancing and all of that. So uh, really just coaches and the NFL scouts were the only ones there and, and the players. So reports are even limited this year on everything. But of course, the specific numbers and stats came out. So we can talk on that a little bit. Uh, according to reports, every NFL team except the Vikings and the Texans were present. So 30 out of the 32 is fantastic. And of course, the guys that participated, we've run through them, but I'll just say them again. Anthony Schwartz, Seth Williams, KJ Britt, Jordan Peters, Eli Stove, Christian Tutt, and Jamian Sherwood. So certainly proud of all of those guys. Congrats to them on taking the opportunity and running with it. But Jason, I want to get your input on uh, things that impressed you, things that stood out to you. Obviously, a lot of eyes were on Anthony Schwartz running that 40, and he clocked in at a 426 unofficial 40. And just for a little reference, Tyreek Hill ran a 429 at the mm -hmm. NFL Combine. Now the NFL Combine record is a 422. So he was mm. close but not quite there, but a 426 certainly impressive and just solidifying his skill set in terms of his speed. What stood out to you from his performance? Well, I tell you what, pro day is all about, you know, opportunity like you said but to me yeah. these guys came prepared you can tell that they've been preparing this whole off season to to be, get themselves an opportunity in front of these nfl scouts to to, have their, to hear their name called on, on draft day and yeah. i think anthony swartz really really helped himself in a big way uh everyone is all about speed nowadays and always have been but there are a few teams out there that that you know that like to have these guys, especially with all the gadgets that they run now in the NFL, they like to stretch the field. Tyree Hill has kind of opened up the door and show you what a guy that can run the 4-2, something in the 40 can do with a skill set. So I think Anthony Swartz really put himself up there. You know, he ran a 4-2-6, which is just blazing speed. Mm -hmm. And he ran it saying he was tired. So <laughs> if he wasn't tired, I can only imagine what he would have ran. So he may have broke the 4.22 record. So, you know, I, I would just like to be able to just, you know, get a little bit of that if I was tired. But, hey, you know, 426 yeah. being tired is not too bad. So – and then you think about K.J. Britt. Uh, I think K.J. Britt was another guy that helped himself. I thought he had already helped himself at the Senior Bowl, mm -hmm. the performance he had in practice and then the game. And that's pretty much where a lot of the things come from is what those coaches see on film. But but K.J. Britt, they go in there, you know, he repped the bench press 24 times. He did 225, 24 times, which is good for a linebacker. You know, it shows yeah. his strength and, uh, and everything and mobility. The surprise of the day that, that showed some speed was was your guy, you know, your guy, Seth Williams. Seth oh, Williams yeah. uh, ran a 4.50. You know, that's mm -hmm. a tenth of a second from being a 4.4. Four, four, four. And, that's, and that's pretty good for a guy his height and his size. And, you know, one thing that stuck out really well, which we talked about before, that both Anthony Swartz and Seth Williams mentioned, was the fact that they didn't feel like they had a route tree when they was right. in the system. And, exactly. uh you know, we've talked about that, that when you see the routes ran in the games, it just didn't look like, you know, routes of a route tree. But uh, mm -hmm. so, you know, that may help them. The fact that they was able to mention that aspect of it and, and see other and the NFL scouts see them like actually running their routes that they put out for them on pro day. 
And like I told Anthony Swartz, the key was going to be how do they get in and out of breaks since they didn't put a lot of routes on film. Right. It, they were going to have to show the, showcase it on pro day. And uh, I think I've heard that those guys did a really good job getting in and out of breaks and catching the ball as well. Uh, Eli Stowe was a guy, you know, as, as well that participated. And, um, you know, he, he – uh, you know, end up running, you know, probably not as well as he wanted to run, but I still consider, you know, what he ran was, was pretty good. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, those guys are the biggest departure from Auburn this past season besides K.J. Britt right. because there's too many shoes to have to fill. Three guys at one time that accounts over 72% of your offense. And when it comes to the receiving position, um, you know, it's just something that's hard to replace. And I would just say uh, Jordan Peters had a 39 and a half 40, 40 inch. I mean, vertical jump. So yeah, that's pretty good. You know, I still dunk on him, but you know, it's pretty, it's pretty good. <laughs> you know, I, I give, I give him that. I give him that much. But of uh, Kristen Tutt, I think, is another guy that you know, you, you guys leave early, but he's just mm-hmm. one of those guys that I feel like he could have benefited from coming back for another year at Auburn. Yeah. Um, and everything. I just, you know, I understand guys. You know, may have different things they're trying to get to the league for, but I always say this though. If people was able to get by up to this point in your life, I don't think it hurts them to wait a few more months if it's going to benefit you in the draft to take better care of someone. So I don't know, right. you know, what was the reason to him for leaving early, but I thought he could have helped himself by coming back another season. But, you know, hey, make the decision to, to come out and just got to you know, see what happened with the results. Right. He was actually one that has kind of been confusing. There there were some back and forth reports of what he was going to do. There was even discussion that he considered the transfer portal, not the NFL. Um, He did discuss it after pro day. And he said that it all started when Gus got fired, that that really kind of uh, was the tipping point for him and at least uh, gave him a nudge out of Auburn. So I, I don't know. It's, that's a conversation that we just, I feel like we get into all the time because I think you can argue both sides and I'm sure these guys feel like they can as well, but he ultimately chose to go this route and we'll see how that fares for him. I think you pointed out the ones that stood out to me, obviously Schwartz on the 40 KJ benching 24 at 225 Jordan's vertical at 39 and a half, really impressive for all of those guys. And Uh, Just kind of confirmed, I think that so many times when these days roll around, it's for these NFL guys to be able to confirm or deny the perception of these guys on the college field. Because I think you get very comfortable with your teammates in your environment, in your system, and the perception because of the, the media or your stats in your specific college environment is really what these guys have to go off of if they haven't seen them play a lot or, or certainly not in person after 2020. And so to come into this house and, and see them prove themselves to be consistent with the perception that has been established for them in their college playing days. And I think these guys did that. I think you saw Schwartz for his speed. That was what his perception was. I think you saw Seth for his, you know, consistency and his size. That was part of his perception. I think KJ for his strength and athleticism, that was part of his perception. So all of these guys stuck with the repertoire that they established during their college days, and none of them cracked under the pressure of this pro day environment. So I was really proud of them and excited to see how they kind of showed out and and proved themselves to live up to the hype that was created for them on the college stage. But 
I want to get a little prediction from you. Actually, a few predictions from you. Obviously, we'll all wait and see how this whole thing fares come April. But out of this group, who do you anticipate gets drafted first? Well, before that, I also wanted to mention Jamie Sherwood. Um, uh-huh. And you know, everyone knows Jamie Sherwood, you know, was that big hard hitting safety. And I thought he had a really productive day. You know, he did 15 yeah. reps in the bench press. He had a 10 3 broad jump, which is really, really good for safety. And, uh, you know, he ran 4.75, but he also bench pressed 15 times with 2.25. So I think he was able to showcase his athleticism, uh, you know, as well as being a thumper. You know, I think he was able to show guys he could move a little bit. Now, let's get to the interesting question. I would have to say it's going to have to go to the guy that went to the senior bowl, KJ Britt. And the uh, reason wow. I say that he comes off the table first is because I can see him probably going in the second round. Uh, there's some teams okay. that need linebackers. Uh, you know, like I said, he kind of reminds me of Takeo Spites, who went, you know, first round and uh, years ago at, at 15th pick as a linebacker. But I think K.J. Britt, had he played a whole season, you know, definitely would have had an opportunity maybe to slide into that first round somewhere. But, you no, know, now with him having an injury – but I can see K.J. Britt going somewhere within that second round phase. You know, I can't say if it's going to be the beginning or the end, but I think he really showcased himself that he's a, he's a football player. Some guys are just football players, and he's one of those type of players to me. And it doesn't matter where he plays at or where you line him up at, he's just going to play football, and he's going to make plays. I think the other guy is, after him, probably going to be Seth Williams. Uh, only okay. reason I say that, uh, Seth, is because – on tape, you know, he's he's won most of his 50-50 balls. He's won those battles. And, uh, you know, if he can, you know, just learn how to get, keep it channeled for four quarters and not let himself get frustrated, you know, sometimes, which uh, which happens. But I think he has the opportunity to come off the board next. And uh, Anthony Swartz probably right behind him. And, uh, okay. and, and the only reason I say Anthony goes after Seth is just because – over the years, he's had more receptions, more opportunities, and Anthony Swartz is like, okay, everyone see his speed, so his, everyone's eyebrows go up. So now they want to see, like, okay, how do we plug him into our system? Because he needs to go to a system that will allow his speed to be a, a be huge effective on our own defenses. And, you know, I wouldn't mind seeing him going to the Kansas City Chiefs and lining up with Tyree, you know, just because I feel like the Chiefs may – you know, they may lose one of their fast guys, you know, Sammy Watkins, mm-hmm. you know, for example. Like, if he's gone, then I can see the Chiefs, you know, bringing in a guy like like Swartz and, and uh, giving him opportunity to to utilize his speed with Andy Reid because you want to be with a great play caller. And another team that always utilize speed is the Raiders. So, mm-hmm. you know, he could also end up with Daniel Carson, not with the Raiders and, yeah. uh, and everything. So since they just lost Aguilar, you know, it may be a great chance for him to go there and, uh, and showcase his speed. So those are three guys I think. But I do think Jeremy Sherwood falls somewhere within the middle rounds uh, just because he is a hard-hitting safety. Like I said, you know, he can improve his cover skills, I think, uh, and everything. But, you know, guys like that just don't hang out there. You know, he's a guy that's a thumper and uh, he's a run fitter. But teams, what hurts him is teams don't run the ball like they used to. It's become a passing, passing lead. But Mm -hmm. and you can't hit people the way you used to. So, (laughs) you know, so he has to learn at the next level to channel some of those hits so he don't get fines. But at the same time, you know, make his effectiveness work when he does have opportunities. So, you know, we'll see what happens with these guys uh, in April. Wish them all the best. Where do you think you could see KJ ending up? I can see KJ ending up somewhere, you know, let's face it, Cincinnati has a thing about drafting okay. linebackers from Auburn. And yeah. uh, since the fact that Carl Lawson has just left and, and yeah. gone to the Jets, I can see Cincinnati grabbing KJ uh, in, that, in that position. 
it's interesting. You pointed out, you know, the, I don't want to say the disadvantage, but just the difference that it feels like these Auburn wide receivers have coming out of this offense into the league and not necessarily feeling like it was the best system to showcase their ability or even grow those talents and abilities. And it honestly is kind of paralleled with a quote and an interview that came out in regards to Jarrett Stidham, the quarterback's coach with the Pats. He was discussing Jarrett Stidham and saying that Pats fans don't need to give up on him and his abilities. And he actually said his time – he said Baylor and Auburn, but Auburn's offense, he said specifically Gus Malzahn's offense was probably the furthest thing from an NFL offense. And so he was so behind. And I don't, I don't want to say that that sets them back because I believe that there is such talent and adaptability in these Auburn players that they're going to thrive. That's, that's not a question, but when you're looking at this, I do think that there certainly is something to be said about the, added adjustment that these guys are having after coming out of this Gus Malzahn offense, which really did not establish the pass game well enough. What are your thoughts when you hear that a quarterback's coach come out and say that? I personally, I don't think that Jarrett Stidham was the fit for an Auburn offense. That just never seemed like the right fit for me. So I'm not surprised to hear that it he was kind of discombobulated in the entire thing. But do you do you see where that could potentially have, have affected, you know, these guys that now try and translate it to the league if they spent time in an offense like that? It can hurt you if you spend time in it for years. So when you think about Cam, Cam played in the same system. And, uh, you right. know, Cam athletic system, athleticism is what helped him within the system because it is based a lot of off the quarterback run. And, and when Cam got to Carolina, he was only in Gus' system for six months. Let's just be right. honest. And so when he got to Carolina, it wasn't like they had to unroot a lot of habits or anything that he learned in Gus' system. So, you know, he was able to kind of take off pretty strong. Uh, but when you think about Stidham, you know, being at Baylor, who ran a, uh, a, with Art Browse and those guys, ran a similar system to Gus' system. And it's not like, okay, you beat up the system. It's just this is what these guys run. This is their effective to try to get plays called as fast as they can to affect defenses. And I don't think that at the point in time they were really worrying about, like, the development of how our guys are developing for the next level. They're trying to find a way to get to get W's at their at their college performance. Um, I, just, I just also think, like, Stidham is in a unique position that, they ha- he has a team that is willing to work with him this long. Usually, if you're in the NFL and you hadn't done anything in two years, they moved on from you. And uh, for him to be going into year three, you know, and still having an opportunity to learn shows me that, hey, they still feel like they have an opportunity to develop him. Let's think about it. You know, they developed Tom Brady for a while before he got a, ch- a chance to play when uh, Bledsoe got hurt. So, you know, we just have to see. I think Stidham definitely has arm talent. Uh, at the same time, though, once you play the quarterback position, at some point the clock has to click in, though. You know, like things have to start spinning with your brain. And, you know, he's been in a system now up there for three years. Uh, you know, I've learned different systems each and every year sometimes. And, you know, so you got to learn how to channel things as a quarterback, too. Like, I don't think it's all on Gus and Gus' system. You know, let's face it. Like, sometimes, you know, some of this is on Stidham. 
Yeah. You know, 100%. he has to, he has to be, yeah, he has to be willing to make an adjustment and be willing to learn the system and, and get in there and get uncomfortable and, and not find out what's comfortable to get himself a chance to say, Hey, I want to get a chance to participate on the field and, and play. And, uh, and that also being said, it comes with having a chance to play. Like mm-hmm. last season, he thought he was going to get a chance to play. Then they signed Cam. Guess what? They signed Cam again this year. So, right. you know, so I don't know what's going on there because this is going to year three. If they felt like Stidham was their guy, I would think that they would have made a move and not with all the Garoppolo talk that they wanted to go back and get him. You wouldn't be saying those things if you felt like Stidham was your guy. So, you know, I, I think they're just trying to, you know, you know, blow some smoke a little bit to try to protect Stidham, you know, from fans probably saying, why is he still on the, on the roster and all that type of stuff that goes on in the NFL. So sometimes it blows a little smoke. But, yes, you know, I think in Gus' system, it doesn't affect offensive linemen because if you can play offensive linemen, you can play offensive linemen. You know, I think where it hurts some guys is, to, you know, is the receiver position because, like I said, the route tree wasn't wasn't big. And okay. you don't get a chance to showcase your ability running the route tree. But, uh you know, I just think, like I said, Stidham wasn't a Gus offensive type guy when you no. when you think about it over time. Like Nick Marshall fit Gus' system. Nick Marshall played DB and came over the yep. quarterback. You know, that's because he fits the system. So yep. some guys just fit certain systems. And, um, you know, so I just think, you know, you just got to see where it goes, you know, for him. You know, hopefully he continues to continue his pro career and uh, develop and uh, and everything. But sometimes guys got to take a little onus on themselves once you've been somewhere totally. for three years. I totally agree. I also think it feels like the Pats are playing some kind of poker game. I don't know. I, I maybe I just love conspiracy theories, but the way they're handling free agency right now, I just am not convinced that they're not setting up for some crazy trade. I, I don't know. It just feels like they're building their arsenal in a very abrupt way. And I even think this Stidham thing, maybe they're trying to – get the perception going of Stidham that like you shouldn't overlook this guy this guy still has so much talent that way if they include him in a bulk trade the perception is not that he's a complete wash now they're starting to give him these excuses and this understanding who gets that in the NFL nobody everyone it's such a turnover happy league no one cares how much of a, a disadvantage you're at because of the college offense you ran no one ever hears that so I don't know it just seems like this weird creation of a perception that they're trying to put out there for their own benefit, not really Stidham's. It does seem like this is so something we never do. We never give guys the benefit of the doubt for this long and try and validate a backup so hard by blaming his college offense that I just wouldn't be surprised if they're trying to recreate a perception for him so that him being included in a trade offer seems like a better value than it really is. Yeah, I'm talking, I 100% agree with you because the fact that, like I say, you cover it from a reporter's standpoint, like yeah. you see this, you know, and I just feel like you working with the Carolina Panthers, you understand what goes on in the league. And yeah. I do think this is someone they're trying to blow smoke in ears for mm-hmm. other teams to say, okay, let's take a chance on this guy and trade for him. Because why? Right. It's a quarterback arsenal right now. You know, everyone's trying to find someone and everyone uses that topic. To me, it's always a topic within the NFL in the offseason because it brings attention to the league. And oh. it's the top position. Think about it. Everyone's going crazy with Fitz Magic going to Washington. Let's be honest. <laughs> like, okay, Fitz Magic gives you five, six games every year where 
He's exciting because you don't know what he's going to do. You don't know he's going to throw five touchdowns or five picks. So then people go crazy. But then there's five or six, seven games a year, too, that you'd be like, whoa, head scratching your head. You know, so I'm just like people just getting so up or over over certain things. I'm just like, y'all do know Fitz is going to his 17th year, right? I'm just like, you know, he's had a career. Uh, you know, this is just another stopping block for him, I think, to help tutor a young younger quarterback, whether it's Heineke is on the staff or whether it's, um, you know, Kyle Allen or whether they're going to go and draft a young guy and bring him in and, and let him have to learn for a year behind Fitzpatrick while, he, while the next guy develops. So, right. so people just get so uproar. But they got to understand, like, you know, what is it? Fitzmagic bringing attention to, to a football team that's kind of been, you know, over the last year and a half, it's kind of been in the headlights for, for different reasons, mm-hmm. you know? So, you know, it just kind of takes, so you have to, you have to watch things from afar sometimes. And I yeah. just feel like, uh, you know, this whole Stidham thing, I totally 100% agree with you. I think they're trying to use it as a trade bait and uh, cause yeah. otherwise they don't bring Cam back. We are going to get into the NFL talk, but one more Auburn topic that I want to mention. But before we do, I want to give a brief moment to talk about our newest sponsor, eBay. Whether rare dead stock or the latest release, you can find the exact shoe that you're looking for. As the original sneaker marketplace, eBay is the place to go to cop the pair you've been eyeing. And with their authenticity guarantee, your sneakers are meticulously inspected by independent professional authenticators. They're going to verify the box, the logo, the stitching, and dozens of other inspection points. And each sneaker also receives an authenticity guarantee tag that includes a digital stamp of authenticity. And for sneaker sellers out there, eBay has eliminated the selling fees for sneakers over $100, making it free to sell or flip your collection. So you want to go over to ebay.com sneakers today eBay, the world's best destination for discovering great value and unique selection. Well, before we continue with the NFL talk, I do want to mention some other really exciting news that came out for Auburn football fans. They are holding an open practice. You heard that right, folks. It's been years since that has happened on the Plains. An open practice in Jordan-Hare Stadium this weekend super exciting it kind of came out of nowhere I just saw it on Instagram and I was like what am I reading this correctly (laughs) like so exciting obviously masks are required social distancing will be applied as well so they're going to keep everyone safe but this Harson era is already looking quite different and no disrespect to Gus Malzahn and his decisions in regards to this every coach is entitled to handle that in their own way but I think Harson understands the importance of getting the fan culture built back around this program in a way that they feel more involved instead of just being spectators, really tapping into that Auburn family. Like you're a part of this thing and we're building this together. And look, I think new head coaches, there's a level of politics involved. That That's a reality of sports. And he's got to shake the hands and kiss the babies and get these people on board. <laughs> Obviously, we can't do that COVID. He ain't going to be kissing anybody. But just, you know, he knows that he's got to establish that camaraderie that these fans feel like they know him. You may not really. I, I mean, I think you get that way with a coach where even if you've never actually had a conversation with him, if you're a part of that program as a fan, you do feel like you know them. And this is certainly a weird time for Brian Harson to come in, and he's so 
unfamiliar to so many of us because he came from the Mountain West. It's not even an SEC guy that we've kind of felt like we were closer to. So he knows that things like this can really help get the culture going in the short allotted amount of time that he has to do it. And also given, you know, how many people probably didn't get to attend a game in 2020 because of everything that happened. This now brings everybody back. It brings everybody around the field, around the team to get a taste of, of what's being built and established right now. I think it's a great decision. I'm, I'm super pumped. I wish I could be there, but I, I think that it's going to get everyone feeling like it's, it's, closer you know what I mean it, it it's right. a little bit more understandable and we all feel like we're a part of it what what was your thought when you heard the announcement well it just took me back to my days uh you know when uh tub used to open up the, the practices to fans to come and watch us scrimmage on Saturdays and you know we would go at it and we liked it because we look up in the stands and be like okay you know somebody about to get some action today you know we're gonna show out <laughs> yeah, right, we're show out you know so a little noise talking gets going back and forth you know the guys get a little bit energized and uh and everything and it just shows me that Harson has confidence in what they're doing like there's like look guys gonna see our tapes anyway so they're gonna see what we do offensively what we do defensively so there's no big secret about it you know the eye in the sky don't lie so once they get the t on video that's what they're gonna see so you know we're all about trying to build like you said build a family program back to a point where like I say you went through a 2020 season where you know you can only be limited to fan bases so certain amount of fans so why not you know use this opportunity to start trying to get people excited again and hopefully you're able to fill the stands up come the fall and, and get people that wasn't able to make it to games last year an opportunity to come out and and see this team so yeah. I think it was a great move on his part like you said everyone be social distancing and and, and and everything like that so you know this was a really good move because it goes to show you like look he's putting it all out there and right. he's not afraid of you know who sees what or what's going on because he's like look if you think whatever we show on Saturday is enough for you to get off of us and beat us, then we're far behind, you know, <laughs> totally. because, you know, so it just, it just makes sense for him to do this and uh, get people right rally back. And like you said, our fan base has kind of been, you know, you know a little bit 50, 50 over the last few years, you know? So I think he's just trying to bring it all together and the guys listen to the guys talk in their interviews. Like I would listen to Papo, what he was saying, and he was just saying, you know, at first they was kind of weary of the transition, but then the way Harson has come in and the way the new staff has come in and embraced these guys and and been there for them and 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 pushing them. And they've heard the mindset of where they said they did their homework on Coach Harson. And they asked a few other players up in Boise, and they was like, hey, he's like a fourth and go type of guy. You know, it's fourth yeah. and one all the time. And I think he's coming in at the right time to be positioned for that. And uh, this team does – need to have that mentality. And I think you can see it in the weight room performance. You know, they're posting all the things they're doing from a weight room standpoint. Uh, you know, everything starts off the field before it gets on the field. And I think right now they're winning the, the weight room program. And I think we're going to see a different size football team this year uh, from a standpoint of a physical, a physical standpoint. And then when you think about everything that they're doing from a mental, mental standpoint, a mindset, everything starts with a mindset. And I think the way that he's starting this thing is you don't hear any more chitter chatter about the other staff and this staff. And you shouldn't like Gus has moved on. Like right. these guys better buy into the new coach or they going to be moving on. So, you know, <laughs> that's how I look on it. That's how I look at it because, you know, 
every coach is different. And, and it's not like, oh, a slap on Gus because he didn't do this, do that. No, that's Gus mentality. That's what Gus likes to do. And uh, and what works for him works for him. What works for Coach Harson works for Coach Harson. You know, that's what I always tell people. Look, no matter what you do, be yourself. Because at the end of the day, whether you win or lose, I can accept the fact that I did it the way that I wanted to do it because that's what got me to this point. So don't change who you are to try to be someone else. So I appreciate Coach Harson coming in and saying, look, I know y'all used to doing things a certain way, but this is my way. You know, this this is my way. So I want y'all to change your mindset and start to channel into how I do things. And I think you're seeing that and you're hearing that. So, uh, you know, we'll see how it all transition. That fans don't jump all up in the orbit. Oh, we're going undefeated and winning. Time. Like, no, let's get this team a chance to develop. You know, totally. like it's okay to get excited, but don't just let's not get sidetracked now. Right. Patience is still required, but you are getting a little taste. You get to be back in Jordan hair, and we all need to be. Happy and grateful for that because Lord, it's been a year, but I agree with you. I'm, I'm excited. I saw a quote. I can't remember who it was, but somebody defensively was talking about even Derek Mason's approach to physicality and training. And he said, we're going to look like Marines out there by the time we take the field. Like they're, they're putting such an emphasis on the physicality and building the strength and endurance of these guys before they even implement the X's and O's. And, and then you're able to implement the X's and O's so much more effectively and quicker. And I am cautiously optimistic right now. I think that's the perfect way to put it. You don't want to jump too far ahead and be unrealistic because this is a major upheaval for a program after a year like 2020. The chances of us reaching the top of the mountain this year are very slim. You have to be realistic when you approach this. But I think that the way this staff has come together and even – with Bo and and some of the guys coming back. I don't know. I'm just going to say cautiously optimistic, and we'll leave it at that. But let's finish up our NFL talk because I want to get your opinion on a few more things that have been happening. We kind of touched on the Pats and how much they've been doing and, and kind of stacking up in interesting ways. They signed Cam Newton to another year, and I I don't think many people expected to see that. I'm not sure if I thought he was completely done. I felt like somebody was going to do what the Pats did last year and offer him kind of a one-year, let's see what you can do type thing. But I didn't think it would be the Pats. I really didn't. They have also signed two of the top tight ends in the league, Jonu Smith and Hunter Henry. So trying to build up that offensive side of the ball, I think Belichick obviously hated last year I'm sure all Pats fans did it's totally (laughs) not the year that they are accustomed to having some other big moves the Bucks I just feel like they are showing you how serious they are about repeating the Super Bowl win Uh, they have tagged Chris Godwin which I think was a fantastic decision returning Levante David Shaq Barrett Gronk is returning and of course Brady is extended through 2022 I just think that this team, they got a taste of that victory and this team being one for the ages and none of them want to call it quits and this management staff isn't going to let them. So they're forking out whatever kind of commitments they need to to keep this team intact. And I won't be surprised if they lift that trophy again by the end of next season. Uh, You've kind of mentioned Carl Lawson is departing from Cincinnati. He has signed with the Jets on a three-year, $45 million deal with 30 mil guaranteed. So certainly a good day for the former Auburn Tiger. 
Ryan Fitzpatrick headed to Washington. And of course, the news we all expected to come out, Drew Brees officially retired, which means what happens for the Saints? I, Sean Payton has tried to paint this picture of both Jameis Winston and Taysom Hill being it. And I'm not sold on either of them, to be honest with you, especially following the footsteps of a guy like Drew Brees. I think that Taysom Hill is a very effective athlete in certain packages. And I think you, you can utilize him in really creative ways. I don't know if he leads a team. Same thing with Jameis Winston. I'm just confused on what they're going to do. And Sean Payton's trying to tell us that he's got it figured out with both of these. And I'm not sure I buy it. What have been some of your major takeaways from all the moves already happening in free agency? I love this time of year. It's kind of a frenzy and it is so fun to watch it. My take on this is, dang, I came through the lead too quick because these guys are making these guys are making bank i'm just saying geez i'm just like oh my goodness like it's like night and day from when i was in the league so first of all not envy not jealous i'm completely happy with god has blessed me <laughs> i'm just saying though i'm just yeah. saying but i will Fair. say this back to the pats for a second okay when you talk about the pats you know cam newton had a lot of success with greg olson when he was in carolina so I figured, like, they was like, okay, look, last year we got Cam towards the end of the year. I mean, right before the season started. So this year we're going to catch him in the March, give him an opportunity to get really adjusted, train, get in shape, figure out who he's playing with, and we're going to fit guys around him that makes him successful. And what's makes him successful? Throwing the ball to the tight end. And so they went out and got two of the best tight ends on the free agent market. So it goes to show you that they're trying to build his team so that he can have success. But Belichick is upset right now. His girlfriend was going back and forth with the whole Brady stuff about, you know, when Brady was winning championships and how it was all Brady and she came out to defend her man, Belichick. And how well, you know, she got caught with a whole bunch of criticism about it to the point that she kind of, you know, deleted her account for a little while which is shameful you know you shouldn't have to do all that but yeah. you know so what she's saying at home with Belichick makes me wonder like okay Belichick's probably saying look no one's trying to give me any credit for helping win those championships I had to help organize this football team and that's better fact let's understand there was some time we had some really great defenses is what he's saying in New England that helped the offense win those championships. So it wasn't just all Brady. And uh, so what what Belichick's doing this offseason? Okay, after breakup, he had a chance to sit back, digest the thing, and, and see, like, okay, you know, Tom won the championship. Everybody's on Tom's bandwagon. Everyone's shooting down, uh, shooting down Belichick. So what I'm going to do? I'm going to go out here and add a whole bunch of free agency, free agents like they've never done. They never spent like this in free agent. And it goes to show you, he's gearing up for one thing only, to try to meet Tom Brady for the championship, if they get to the championship. He's 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 trying to meet him head to head. So you best believe, like, this is kind of burning something up under his skin to the point that he wants to prove a point. And to your Saints, oh, man, Jason Hill, how did they get him a four-year, $140 million extension? I'm like, dude, it's a wildcat quarterback, really. Like, that's just basically, I'm just like, like you're trying to turn a running back into a quarterback is what you're trying to do. And he had a little success when he first started, but then after people caught caught what he caught wind of what he was doing, he looked like a just a regular average backup. 
And now he gets all this extension, but then Jameis Winston gets signs. And I'm just like, okay. But then he's saying it's going to be a competition. So I think the the four-year $140 million extension, I think is smoke. I think that's just a way for them to create cap room. And then they're going to cut that off before it even gets to that. But uh, But my whole thing is, okay, if you have a team like this, if I, I think this, if Deshaun Watson gets traded to the Carolina Panthers, I think Teddy Bridgewater ends up with the Saints. That's that's oh, what I'm thinking. So, okay. so I think, you know, right now, Coach Sean Payton is going to blow some smoke out there right now. He's going to say, hey, you know, we'll give Jameis a real chance, which I think they're probably going to try to give Jameis a chance. But let's be honest, Bridgewater was with them before when, when Breeze got hurt. Right. So if Watson ends up in Carolina – Teddy Bridgewater will end up back in New Orleans. Trust that. And uh, and everything. And then the other teams that you're talking about. Let's say the Jets. Oh, my gosh. You know, this is like, I don't even know where to start when it comes to the Jets. Like, I'm just wondering, like, how does an NFL franchise get that bad? You know, like, come on. This is NFL. You're paying guys millions of dollars. You're paying coaches millions of dollars. Like, I hate the word taint because – you don't know what the next opportunity comes. You taint, you hurting other people from from doing well because, yeah. you know. So you really don't know what to think about Sam Darnold for real because the fact that you're in that mess, and I know what it's like to play within a messy organization. Like, mm-hmm. it's just I really don't know what to think about the kid. You know, I think for him it'd be best for him to go somewhere else and get fresh fresh air and uh, yeah. and get another opportunity. Um, when I think about. You know, Trent Williams signing a six-year, $130-some million contract as a left tackle goes to show you the importance of what goes on in San Francisco. But my thing is you pay Garoppolo a whole bunch of money, but then you're not even really saying he's your quarterback. But then again, he's your quarterback when when the market says they may not try to get – they may try to get someone else. So it's almost like you're trying to protect his feelings until you figure out if the Sean or some of these other guys may have an opportunity to bounce to you. Yep. So the NFL is all about, let's go. They want to control the narrative. And the narrative is how can we find a way to keep our organization front and center year round? And mm-hmm. that's what's going on. And that's why you always hear these names tossed around and everything like that. And then with Drew Brees retiring, I think Drew Brees just got tired of saying, look, I can't hold off Brady much longer from all these records. Like, look, dude, just have them. Just have them. Like, I've tried to play as long as I could play. I tried to get the Saints back to the championship. And for three years in a row, they was hurt by some official calls. Let's just call it honest. Mm-hmm. And uh, they have an opportunity to get back to the Super Bowl. And uh, and it didn't happen. But he can walk away saying, look, I gave it everything I've, ha- I've ha- he had. And the point that the career that he had, man, you can walk away. You're first ballot Hall of Famer. And, uh, you know, it's a lot of great respect. But at the same time, I do think there was a part of him that's competitive to say, hey, I'm, you know, he was winning a touchdown. How I many touchdowns he he was up on Brady, but then he missed a lot of the last season with some injuries. And uh, and I just think he feel like, man, I, I, I don't know. Brady wants to play for three more seasons. I, I can't do that. And I think he just sat down with his family and just said, you know, this is the time. It's time for us to move on as a family. Like football has been a big part of our life. We we thank God for it. You know, it's given us an opportunity to live a certain lifestyle um, and everything. But it's time for me to spend time with my kids and spend time with my wife and give them the best of me and not give football all of me. So 
you know, I respect that and everything, man. And sometimes it's good to walk away from the game when you can still be somewhat healthy as well. Right. When you can walk away from the game, not crawl away from the game. You know what I mean? Right, right. And it, I mean, the reality of this past season, that was no small injury. Like he cracked so many of his ribs and punctured a mm-hmm. lung. Like you're getting to the point where these aren't just, you know, a few broken bones. You, you go through the rehab. No. And especially with the age at which he's playing this game, like you do have to start to prioritize your health and your longevity. And my goodness, he's had one heck of a career. He's Mm going to be a hall of famer and I'm sure he's going to get a TV gig and you know, he's set up very well. So no one was surprised by it. I'm just very curious to see what happens at that position because I'm not sold on the two guys they have. And even if Teddy ends up there, then I think you've got three very solid backup or situational quarterbacks. I don't Mm -hmm. think you have a franchise guy at a place that is so accustomed to seeing a franchise quarterback. So it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. It's going to be interesting to see how all of it plays out. I'm very curious to see where Deshaun Watson actually lands. There's been so many, um, it's kind of been an ugly situation in a way the Texans are really playing hardball and, and so many teams are, it's, it's almost like psychological warfare. They're all pretending they're going to do something, but then not doing it. I don't know. It's been very weird, but I think that this is a guy who's a difference maker. I personally, yes, I'm a little biased, but I think he'd be great for the Panthers. And I think that it certainly would be an easy fit, even in terms of location, being a Clemson guy, he's very loved around here. So It'll be interesting to see how that one shakes up as well. But I love all of this news and the moves because it's just interesting to think of what the league will look like by the time they take the field in a few short months. But that's going to wrap it up for us here on Believe in Everything Auburn. Thank you so much for listening to us each and every week. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe wherever you listen to us. If you're in the podcast app, you can subscribe and you're going to get a notification every time we release an episode. Little housekeeping announcement. We are not going to have an episode out next week due to some scheduling conflicts. So we will be back after that and get you caught up on everything that's happening down on the plains. We're getting very close to a day and of course the draft. So a lot of great football news coming out soon. You want to make sure you stick with us for all of that. So for Jason and myself, thank you so much for listening each and every week, everyone be safe and have a great week. War Eagle. War Eagle, everybody have a good one. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.